When you're single, there are pressures on you to survive more so on your own. Our social well-being as single people is so important because we do not have a default backup person to call, to ask for financial support from, to cuddle at the end of the day. That person isn't there when you're single. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Single Girl's Guide to Life. I'm Chantelle Dyson, a love and life coach, helping single women to embrace their single life and to make sure they're creating a life that they love. Dating, living alone, going on solo trips and not missing out on the experiences of life just because you are single. Now, this week is Mental Health Awareness Week, and that means that we are going to be talking about their theme for the year. Last year, it was loneliness, and that was very apt for single life. And this year is an interesting one because you wouldn't necessarily associate it with being single, and I'll talk about it in a moment, but this year's theme is anxiety. Anxiety is a very normal response to the concern of what is to happen in the future, the worry of the unknown and anxiety makes us feel that we don't know what's coming we can't be certain and we worry excessively and this can appear for people in lots of different forms in terms of thoughts in terms of feelings but overall a sense of anxiety and the mental health awareness week the mental health foundation wants to focus on that this year because the stats show that over half of people are experiencing anxiety in a particular way Single parents in particular experiencing it so in the research they conducted, 89% of single parents had experienced that in the past two weeks at the point at which they did a survey. And whether you're single with children or single or without children, anxiety can affect us all, regardless of our relationship status. Now, you might think being single means that you are more likely to be anxious more likely to be anxious about a particular set of things, which we are going to talk about in today's episode, actually. That's what this episode will centre around. But when from the research that I've looked at, I want to start out by making sure that you know that your relationship status doesn't actually make a difference in terms of your mental state too much. That being in a relationship doesn't give you an advantage in terms of your mental well-being compared to your single life, that there's not that much difference. I read some research called Perceived Social Support and Mental Health Among Single Versus Partnered Polish Young Adults. And this was carried out by researchers Adamczyk and Segrin. And they were surveying and question using and they surve- and they surveyed 550 odd students and non-students, all under 40, all unmarried in any way had never been married never been divorced separate or anything like that they were either single or they were in a non-marital committed relationship and they carried out some questionnaires that looked at their emotional well-being their psychological well-being and their social well-being and when it came to looking at the difference between those that were single and those that were in a relationship they found despite their hypothesis they had expected that those that were in a relationship would experience less mental health problems and in actual fact they found no difference between the two groups and that disproved their original hypothesis and so I want to really make the emphasis as we start this episode that your relationship status doesn't make you more or less likely in this instance for mental health challenges however you are a normal person that experiences 
normal human feelings. And one of those feelings on the wheel of feelings is anxiety. And you're entitled to be worried. Now, when you're single, there are pressures on you to survive more so on your own. And this is where when we think about the questionnaire they ran in that survey is the fact that they were looking at their social well-being as well our social well-being as single people is so important because we do not have a default backup person to call to ask for financial support from to cuddle at the end of the day that person isn't there when you're single so therefore there's a lot more pressure that you might feel on yourself because of that circumstance The cost of living crisis is causing anxiety for lots of people. We were seeing a dip in anxiety following COVID because everyone, because many people felt nervous and the situation was so uncertain around what was happening during the pandemic, during lockdowns. You didn't know what was going to happen in the next couple of weeks in those early months. And over time, that has reduced less and people have had to manage their anxiety about going out without a mask on, having had masks on previously and feeling unsafe. So we were seeing a dip in that. We were seeing it reduce down. However, the cost of living crisis has been cited as one of the major things that's causing anxiety, the idea of needing to pay bills. If you're a single parent as well, you don't have that extra person and you have at least one extra mouth to feed. I can only imagine that additional pressure that you're experiencing as a single person would make you feel more anxious about what is going to happen and how you're going to survive through these next bits. And it's worth knowing that, given this is the Single Girl's Guide to Life, that women at this point are more prone to, or at least declaring that they are feeling anxious, with that being at about 37%, and the men rounded up to at 30%. Both, however, categories have increased over the past eight years. So this is common. This is something worth talking about because we need to know what we can do in these situations. And to do that, we need to understand where it is coming from. It's useful to understand where the feelings of anxiety are placed to then look at how that situation can be resolved. Because you could go to the doctor and be prescribed medication to help you with the symptoms and the feelings that you're having. Beta blockers, for example, are commonly used as a way of letting people choose when they take them and reducing the feelings. However, I'm a firm believer in the idea that we should be looking at what causes the problem in the first place. So you don't need those. And this comes back to Lost Connections, my all-time favourite book, if you've never read it by Johan Hari, who talks about these kind of treatments and the ways that we're disconnected from the world. And that brings me on to this idea of the anxiety of being alone. When you are single, and if you happen to be single and live alone, this is particularly even more so the case, is that from the time that you come home from work, you are on your own. And, you know, even if you get in at a decent time, say five, five o'clock till 10 or 11 o'clock at night on your own is a long period of time that not everybody would be fully comfortable with. And hey, you might be comfortable with that for a night, maybe two nights, but to do that three, four, five nights in a row, then you would start to think, is this what my life is going to be like forever? Am I going to be spending a third of my waking day not around anybody else, like I get time at work. If you're lucky enough to be going into the office now, I know a lot of companies have gone work from home or hybrid. Um, You've got this additional sense that you're spending more time on your own. 
Whether it is spending time on your own at home or going on solo trips, something that I advocate for, but I'm always very wary that we need more than being on our own. You can't actually do everything on your own. You need human connection in your life. And despite all of that, you're starting to date, you're starting to dip your toe in and not having success, then the big fear, I think the biggest fear that comes up, the deepest fear, is what if I'm alone forever? What if I never, ever get to hold someone's hand again? What if I never get to kiss someone? It doesn't even go as far as sexual intimacy. It's actually even some of the more lower ones. The, the, the people that message me and tell me what they're concerned about, the biggest thing is I just want someone to hug and watch a film with. I want to hold hands walking down the street. It isn't about the, the big stuff. It isn't about the heavy commitments. It's the little things. It's the little gestures. Often people phrase it as being someone's number one. You know, being that person that someone calls instantly with good news or bad news or for help. And that is a real worry if you're single. Rightly so. Because we are designed to interact with one another. We're designed to share our lives and and to be part of a group. And when you don't have that built into your life and it feels like it's not changing relationship-wise, friendship-wise, family-wise, if you don't have those things in place then it can be concerning. And of course, you're going to feel anxious about the future because you're going, is my life going to be like this? What if I can't find someone to talk to? What if I don't reach out? What if this? And it's always what if. Anxiety thrives off what if. That's what it's based upon, what if. And so it's about doing all that we can to connect with other people. The Mental Health Foundation has a series of coping strategies that they have recommended, one of them being talking to other people and connecting with others again, would be echoed by the Lost Connections book and is what this is all about and has always been about. All the work that I've done, whether you work with me directly and you get one-to-one time, you get the chance to talk to me out loud. Someone that really does get it, even though they're in a relationship. If you join the Back to Dating program or Single Life Confidence, whether it's just me or it's a group of people, you get a space to share how you're feeling with people that are probably going through exactly the same thing as you. It has always been about being able to have a platform to connect and to realise that you aren't the only one. Because the fear of being alone is because you perceive that you're one of the few, or if not, the only one. For a long time, I was one of, I think, three or four people I could think of in my social circle that were single. And at work, I could only think of one other person. One. I can still even now try to think about it. I can only think of one back then. And so you feel isolated, you feel worried, and that's normal. The part that we then have to deal with is what are you going to do about that? How are you going to start forming connections to other people that don't have to be romantic, but that are then going to prevent you from being alone forever? And in terms of the physical intimacy, it's understanding that you can only create the opportunities for that as best you can. Some people will be able to work with that and and have more casual relationships where they do get to hold hands and they do get to kiss, but they're not going to move into a relationship escalator scenario. It's not going to move into moving. It's not going to develop into moving in together. It's not going to develop into marriage, but they still have a connection with a person. Now that won't suit everybody, but it is an option to consider if you feel that way. Start using apps that offer that fluidity and you get to define what it is. You might feel that you're not ready for a relationship and that's going to suit you well because on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, those physiological needs are necessary. Physical touch. Some people's love language is physical touch. And imagine depriving yourself of that experience. 
And yeah, there is hugging friends. But I know, and you know, because you'll say it back to me, it's not the same. It's not always the same. It's kind of like giving you half the experience, but you actually want that connection with someone. And you can only do that by opening up and being vulnerable, whether that's with someone new or with someone that's already in your circle. You don't have to look far if you really need to find some people and start working on that. Now, another element of anxiety when you're single is in dating. This would tie in with anxious attachment styles, as you know, is one of my favourite topics because I myself have that anxious attachment style. This is around the fear of abandonment. You anticipate that someone will leave. And for me, I wasn't really anxious about being on my own forever. I had that thought a couple of times. I wouldn't say it caused me feelings of anxiety. It was just a thought that I experienced. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And that's where the idea of single life confidence came from. It was, well, I'm going to make sure I'm living the best life. So even if I never with anyone ever again, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to have had this life that I look back on my deathbed and go, you did well. You did what you were going to do and you didn't let things hold you back. However, when it came to dating, the confidence was there being on my own, but the triggers and the wounds that were there in existence were very much brought back up by dating. And this, to my interpretation and my looking at what I think has happened, is to do with the history of my parents getting divorced and, and not having that clear male role model in there and therefore forming an anxious attachment style and being worried in dating about someone leaving, someone saying no. It wasn't rejection so much. I, I think most people would agree with me that experiences that you're okay more when they are obvious about it, when they're fair and they talk to you and they say like, you're just not for me. It might hurt still, you might cry, but it's much easier to cope with. But it's when it's ambiguous, when there's ghosting involved, when you're being strung along, when it turns into a situationship, that anxiety skyrockets in that regard and that, that because you're not clear on what's going on, it comes back to the idea of uncertainty, of not knowing. And it's hard to challenge that when it's something that has developed in your life and that is just part of your brain responding to what it thinks is fear. That's all anxiety is. It's worry for the future and fear about what might happen. In the case before, it was about the fear of being alone. In this case, it's the fear of being left. And so anxiety quite often is the, as I've heard it described before, the oversensitive fire alarm. It's the oversensitive reaction to something that hasn't even happened yet. And when you say it and realise that's what it is, you realise how annoying it is for your body to be responding to something that hasn't even happened yet. But the real clincher within dating and an anxious attachment style is that because you feel that way, you then act differently and your behaviour often can encourage the thing that you were fearing the most to happen because you then push somebody away with some of your behaviour. Now, in order to address that kind of anxiety, you're going to need to be aware of it. If this might be the first time you've heard of attachment styles, welcome to the podcast. It's a regular feature. This might be the millionth time you've heard it because we are slowly getting close to episode number 100 and it's come up a number of times. Within this, and again, it's another one of the coping strategies mentioned on the Mental Health Foundation website and it's a strategy I still use today and it's breathing. In the instance that it is live and it is happening, breathing. If I get to a point where I'm being triggered in some way and I've made my boyfriend aware, I've said to him, just remind me to breathe, please. If I'm having a moment, remind me to breathe and start thinking about my breathing just to 
bring me back to center. And then it probably forms into some level of meditation, slowing down and building presence to being like, what is actually happening right now? Because I'm stressing about something that's not really happening. It's the worry about it happening. But what's actually happening right now? And beyond that, it's then expressing it in some way, whether it's to someone, but quite often in these moments, it feels very hard to express how you're feeling when you're going through sort of an anxious attachment episode, if you want to call it that, because it's kind of embarrassing. You know that you are responding to something disproportionately. And so telling someone that, I mean, you're getting really core to that. If you're going to text someone and say, they haven't responded to me for 30 minutes, I'm freaking out. If you can, and there's someone there that will hold that space for you and totally get what you're talking about, then that's great. But if you don't have that opportunity, then again, going towards the things that I've tried before and that are on the recommended list, journaling. Journaling not only slows me down, but it gets everything out. And if I am not in the mood to journal or if I don't have pen and paper to hand, then I'm going to grab my phone. And I'm going to start recording myself. I'm going to start talking to camera. I'm going to cry it out on camera. I'm going to look at myself effectively in the mirror and see what I'm experiencing and going, God, this isn't right. Whatever's going on in this dating scenario, for me to be reacting like this, I've got some work to do or I need to communicate better and make it clear what I'm looking for because I shouldn't have to be experiencing this. Dating is meant to be fun. Dating is meant to be an experience and I fully expect to have to address some things. But if I'm this upset, if I'm this worried or built up about this, like what's really going on here, Sean? Not only do I get to express it and make sense of it, but I actually start to be like, this isn't okay. I start to get to think about what can I do differently and and how am I going to need to improve myself so that I don't keep making the same mistake in dating so I don't have to keep going on this emotional roller coaster all of the time because this isn't right. And I'm not void of experiencing that now in dating or in a relationship. But I do have the tools to manage it a bit more effectively. I don't not ever have that feeling. Comes up. But I don't let it spiral because I use those tools to be able to move through and, and, and move on rather than really dwelling on something that hasn't happened and that will only happen if I respond to how I'm feeling and change my behaviour to push somebody away. Dating is meant to be fun. and it, it needs to be a focus on the connections that you're making, not the ultimate outcome, which brings me on to the next thing, which links to the first one. But it is this whole pressure that you put on yourself that when dating doesn't go right for you, you worry that you're a failure. And you put the pressure on the success of a dating experience, the success of the relationship that hasn't even started yet. And you're worried about what's going to happen. You're worried whether this person's the one or if they're going to be the same as your ex. And you can't even show up authentically because you're so worried and in your head about what they might be, what they might do. And then you interpret that as a reflection of yourself and that you're never going to be worth anything, that no one's ever going to see how good you are, and that maybe that's because you aren't really that good, and you can see and hear all that spiralling thought. It causes such a problem. But you're a human being going through dating, dating, which quite frankly at the moment is a bit of a shit show. It's tough work out there. Not everybody has done the emotional work. Not everybody has worked out what they really want. Not everybody is aware of what's going on. And you, as someone that has, or is at least trying to, is muddling through, trying to do the best you can in that scenario. So have a bit of self-compassion for yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back for being like, at least I'm out there trying to date. And when I do mess up, when I do say something, when I do let an anxious attachment get to me, I don't just sit there and blame the other person. I say, okay, this didn't go my way. I did the best I could with the tools I had right now. 
and I've learned something. That's all you can ever do in dating because nobody ever taught you to date. It's why you're here. Whether you're watching my videos, someone else's videos, what podcast you listen to, you're out there trying to be a better person, to date authentically and to just enjoy your life. And you've got to be in a place where you can be present with that, to be able to be aware and to learn how to manage anxiety. Don't demonise yourself for the, what you're experiencing and what you're going through. But when you get that thought come up, question it. Ask and examine, is this really true? Is this really going to happen? Is this what's really happening? Could there be any other plausible explanation for what's going on right now? And there's some other things that you can do that are listed on the Mental Health Foundation website. Going out, exercising, it can be light, yoga, walking, making sure you get enough rest. Are you really getting eight hours? And you might go, I don't need eight hours. Even I, as someone that doesn't always get eight hours, knows deep down that my body does need eight hours. And I deprive it of it all the time. So no wonder it can't cope with the basic things sometimes. Going out in nature, making sure you're eating a healthy diet. But back to the points in lost connections, making sure that you're connecting to meaningful values, that you aren't looking at how many likes you get on Instagram, that you aren't looking at having the flashiest car and having all the latest clothes and the biggest wardrobe. Find the things that really make you happy. I love creating. I love talking about personal development. I love questioning society. Look at me doing that every day with podcasts and helping people and talking. Okay, yeah, I have to work. I go into schools and I get to teach and encourage people to be better and be fair and have human interactions with people. I've designed my life to be that way so that my values have an opportunity to shine each and every day. And I've never let my relationship status determine that. And from the stats, we know that that isn't the determiner of anxiety. But there are other things. So when you feel out of control in life, put in controls. Simplest things. Come back to who you are inside. Find out who you really are and work on that. And that's everything that I work with people on from single life confidence to getting back to dating. We're doing it authentically. We do it in a way that there's a community element or at least support from me. And we have the single girls club for which the Facebook group is back open again for sharing experiences weekly, monthly prompts to get you thinking about single life and making sure that you've got a place that you feel that you belong, a place where you can share your worries and anxieties and hear and and hear from other people that will tell you that they've been through it too, they're in the same boat and you'll realise that you aren't alone by any means. If you need any assistance during this week, make sure you head to the Mental Health Foundation website to check out their work, their resources on anxiety. Until next time, everybody, keep celebrating single life together.